Do you ever have to be told something over and over again? Uh, I'm one of those people. I think all of us are to some extent where we are uh, told something. We don't learn it the first time. So we have to hear it a second time and then a third time and a fourth time. And some of us never learn, do we? And we, we keep being told and we keep having to learn the lessons of life. And so it's interesting to me when Jesus in Matthew 24 tells his disciples the signs of his coming and tells them what's going to happen when he comes back. Then he spends a lot of time telling them the same thing basically over and over again. He keeps repeating it in one parable after another. Pretty kind of uh, tired of hearing the message of being prepared. But I also believe if Jesus took the time to repeat it over and over and over again, he wanted us to hear it loudly and clearly, and he emphasized it, and so that's why I'm doing so as well. Again, look at the parables we've already looked at where Jesus tells us, while you are waiting, be prepared, be ready, because you don't know the exact day or hour that I will come back. Remember, it was the fig tree. It was the days of Noah. It was the two people working together, the thief in the night, the wise and wicked servant that we looked at last week and this morning that tells us to be ready. You know about our weddings today. In fact, I had the privilege of being the officiant at a wedding yesterday. So uh, uh, Patty Smith's son, uh, James, and his bride, Jamie, were married yesterday. So uh, in fact, they're both Jamie. That's kind of strange, isn't it? So Jamie and Jamie got married yesterday. But anyway, uh, we know how our wedding ceremonies go. We know how the whole thing works with the, the music and the groomsmen and the bridesmaid and the kiss the bride and the honeymoon. We know all of that stuff, right? But I wanted you to know a little bit about Jewish weddings because that helps us to understand what Jesus is talking about in this parable. Bride and groom would have an arranged marriage, but the... Bride and groom usually had a say in it. It wasn't just completely arranged by the parents, but the parents certainly were involved. The bride and groom had a, an extended time of engagement. And then after that engagement was the wedding ceremony. But it was different than ours. The groom would uh, go to the bride's house, and he would go there, and that's where the wedding ceremony would be, at the bride's house. But then he would take his bride... And then he would have a parade, so to speak, through the town as he would go to his house. And it was there at his house that they would have the big... This parable in this story, there is a wedding with a groom who has gone and had his ceremony at his bride's house. But now he is bringing his bride to his house to have the party that in some cases lasted seven days. They knew how to celebrate marriages in Jesus' day. So that's what's happening here as we read in Matthew chapter 25. Jesus says at, the time, the kingdom, at that time, the kingdom of heaven will be like ten virgins who took their lamps and went out to meet the groom. Five of them were foolish and five were wise. When the foolish took their lamps, they didn't take oil with them, but the wise ones took oil in their flasks with their lamps. When the groom was delayed, they all, here's the groom, come out to meet him. Then all the virgins got up and trimmed their lamps. The foolish ones said to the wise ones, give us some of your oil because our lamps are going out. The wise ones answered, 
No, there won't be enough for us and for you. Go instead to those who sell oil and buy some for yourselves. When they had gone to buy some, the groom arrived, and those who were ready went in with him to the wedding banquet, and the door was shut. Later, the rest of the virgins also came and said, Master, Master, open up for us. He replied, Because you don't know either the day or the hour. So the parable is easy enough to understand. Jesus says there's two groups of virgins, or really bridesmaids, a better, better way for us to understand who they are. The emphasis isn't on the fact they're virgins. That's just the word that's used for uh, young women who are of marriageable age, but they're not married yet. So that's who they are. So in our language, we'd probably call them bridesmaids. So here are two groups of bridesmaids, wise ones and foolish ones. Now, they are, again, they are waiting for the groom and the bride to come to the groom's house. So that's what their wedding ceremony, there's two hours of picture. You know how it is, what you're always having to wait for nowadays. You're waiting for the, the bride and the groom and everyone to get all their pictures. If you're at the reception, everyone's eating the peanuts, waiting for the bride and groom to get there. You know, so the sort of, you understand maybe what they're going through. The ceremony has happened, they are waiting, but the time keeps dragging on. Now, the wise ones knew it was going to be at night, and they knew that they were going to need a torch to be able to go with the procession into the banquet hall. So they brought their torches, but they also brought extra oil. These lamps sometimes needed oil every 15 minutes, so they were ready for a long delay. The foolish ones just brought their torches already lit, and so they didn't have any extra oil. So when there was a long delay, they were not prepared. So the ones who uh, weren't prepared, when they heard the sh the wise ones said, we only have enough for us. If we gave you some, none of us would have enough. They said, why don't you go into town? You go buy some and come back. And so that's what they did. The foolish ones left. They went to buy some oil. They bought it. They came back. But by then it was too late. By then the bride and the groom had come, the wise bridesmaids went with them, and they went into the banquet hall and were there for the party. So these foolish ones, they get there, they realize they've missed everything, so they go to the banquet hall, they knock on the door and say, let us in. And the word comes back from the master, we assume also the groom, who says, I never knew you. So it's easy to have to look at what the different people or things in it represent. That's how you understand a parable. What's always tricky about parables is how detailed do you get? It's kind of obvious what the overall message is. It's be ready, be prepared. The exact details of who these people represent in this parable can be debated. But this is what I believe they are. It seems to make sense that this groom is Jesus. He's the one who's delayed and we're waiting for him to come back. I believe also, even though it's not really emphasized here, that his bride is the church. Because that's who we are said to be. And these who are waiting are professing believers. These are people who say they're believers. And I think specifically they are in this tribulation period that we talked about previously. So I think that's who they represent. But obviously... The message that's in this parable can be applied to us and to anyone who is waiting for Jesus' return. Spirit, 
the word of God. And so from this we learn that the five wise ones were true believers and they persevered as they were waiting for Jesus' return. They were able to persevere because they were filled with the Holy Spirit and because they not only knew the word of God, but they also lived it out and applied it in their lives. The foolish ones were professing believers, but they weren't true believers. And I believe that because when, when they tried to get in, they hear, I don't know you. It sounds very similar to what Jesus teaches about those who in the last day at the judgment, this for you, we did that for you, and Jesus is going to say, I, don't, I never knew you. Get out of here. Depart from me. A very similar thing is said to these foolish bridesmaids, indicating they were never believers in the first place. They were not prepared for Jesus' coming. Uh, they were not filled with the Holy Spirit. They were not living out the word of God. And so when the time came, they were not ready. They were not believers. They were not allowed into heaven. So what do we do? I think we learned two lessons from this parable. One is anticipation is not the same thing as being prepared. What do I mean by that? Think about, think about when Jesus came the first time. There were a lot of people anticipating, looking forward to, hoping for a Messiah. In fact, you might even say all the Jews were looking for that. So they were looking. They were but when the Messiah actually came, they didn't listen to him. They didn't believe him. They rejected him. Their hearts weren't ready. When John the Baptist came and said the Messiah is coming, repent and be baptized, they said, nah, never mind. So they were anticipating, but they weren't really ready. When John gave them the opportunity to be ready, they didn't do it. When Jesus came, they didn't believe. So they weren't really ready. The same is true today. There's people hoping for heaven. There's people maybe even hoping Jesus comes back and takes them to heaven. But they're hoping for that. But they're not obeying the Lord. They're not a believer in the Lord. They're not living for the Lord. They're not doing anything that would indicate that they're prepared or ready for the Lord's coming. So hear the difference you know, you can hope for heaven all you want and be excited about going. But unless so anticipating is not the same as being prepared. And here's the other thing I want you to know. Make sure God knows you, not that you think you know God, because that's the most important thing. Look at this verse in 2 Timothy 2.19. Paul says, Nevertheless, God's solid foundation stands firm. Bearing this inscription, the Lord knows those who are his, and let everyone who calls on the name of the Lord turn away from wickedness. Those foolish bridesmaids thought they knew the groom, but they were told, I don't know who you are. There's people who think they know Jesus, think they know the Lord, but God doesn't know them. Why? Because they, they think they have a relationship with God in the wrong way. They think they have a relationship with God because they live a good life or they think they have a relationship because they go to church or because they've done a religious activity. That's not what makes you have a right relationship.
as Savior. That's the only way. Any other way, the Lord's going to say, I never knew you. Finally, persevere. I want you to notice that these uh, wise bridesmaids were ready for the long haul. It shows that they were true believers. You see, it's real easy to look like a believer and act like a believer for a short time. In fact, it reminds me of the parable of the sower and how the seed went out and, and those that were in the, the ground that grew among the weeds and the thorns, for a short time, they were thriving. But all it took was the weeds to choke them out and they were gone. It's the same with people who have a, often an emotional religious experience. They can feel like they're close to God for a short time, but when trouble comes, when trial comes, when persecution comes, they give up on God, they give up on their faith because they never really had it in the first place. Ready to live out faith for a lifetime because they didn't have faith in the first place. The wise ones were ready through the word of God, through the Holy Spirit, to persevere through Difficult times, through times of doubt, through times of persecution, to show that they were true believers and that they would persevere until Jesus came back. So, as we close, as we get ready for our baptism service, I want you to think about this. Are you a true believer? Does God know you? That's the important question. If not, this morning is the time to believe. We're getting ready to baptism that they are believers, that they have believed that Jesus has saved them and forgiven their sins. Could you say that this morning? Also, how are you living your life? The only way we can persevere as Christians is to be filled with the Holy Spirit and to obey His Word. Paul tells us, do not grieve the Holy Spirit. Do not quench the Holy Spirit. And we do that too many times. We quench the Holy Spirit when God moves in us and we say no. We grieve the Holy Spirit when we disobey God and we sin. The Holy Spirit, we have all the Holy Spirit. We don't need more of Him. He's there. But we can say no to Him. We can ignore Him. And when we do that, we're not filled by Him. We're not controlled by Him. We're not yielding to Him. And that's how we become weak, ineffective Christians, defeated Christians. But when we are obedient, controls us, moves us, and that is when we are victorious, effective Christians that can persevere through anything. That is the Christian that you must be this morning. If you're not there, maybe it's because you're saying no to God. Well, stop it. Say yes to him this morning. Maybe it's because you are, have sin in your life and you're grieving the Holy Spirit and it's keeping him from using you effectively. Well, then repent of that sin. And then you will be ready to persevere. Let's respond. Let's pray this morning. Heavenly Father, my prayer is that we would persevere, that we'd be filled with you, Holy Spirit, that we would be ready to be faithful to you for the long haul, whether it's our life that turns into decades, whether it's your delay in coming that turns into, as it has already, thousands of years, that we're not a flash in the pan that burns out.
Father, I pray for any this morning who are not a believer. I pray that this morning would be their moment of faith and belief. Lord, we have been saying it because you said it, Jesus, over and over and over again. Be ready. And the biggest way we're ready is to have faith in you, Jesus. I pray all of us this morning are ready. I pray these things, Lord, as we now listen to you, Holy Spirit, and say yes to you. And I pray, Jesus, in your name. Amen.